We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The pitch to Bryant. Swing and a high fly ball down the line and left. If it's fair, it's going to leave the yard. That is a two-run home run for Chris Bryant. And the Cubs take an immediate 2 to nothing lead. A towering drive. You knew it had the distance, Ron. The only question, fair or foul, stayed fair by a good 40 or 50 feet. And the Cubs lead 2-0 on Bryant's 13th home run of the season. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. KB, Chris Bryant. Having a great year, a big-time bounce-back year for the Cubs. And a lot of that due to the work that he did with his father, Mike Bryant, in the offseason. BryantBaseballAcademy.com is where you can read all about the hitting philosophy uh, of Mike Bryant and some of the things he has taught to lots of people, not just his son. Joey Gallo of the Texas Rangers, another guy who came up under the tutelage of Mike Bryant. And here on a Father's Day morning in Chicago, uh, my first thought uh, after having my own father on was to have this guy on. And Mike Bryant now joins us right now on Hit and Run. Good morning, Mike. Happy Father's Day. And thanks so much for the time on a Father's Day. Really appreciate it. Sure. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Absolutely. Um, one, I wondered, where did your love for the game come from first, Mike? I, I, and, and did it have anything to do with your own father? This game predates all of us, you know? Yeah, you know, uh, my mom and dad together. My mom was a tomboy growing up, and she was a big baseball fan. And, and uh, her brother, my Uncle Bob, uh, they were uh, – uh, they just had so much passion for the game. You know, it, was, it wasn't uh, – it wasn't like it is now. Um, it, it was more, you know, you played that game for fun. Um, I don't think anybody had big league dreams back then. I mean, I did, but mm. I, they, they, they weren't being pushed upon you by your parents like some of the crazies out there today. <laughs> well, that, that's, yeah, that's super interesting to hear because, like, so, so did you end up thinking about that and, and maybe not trying to not be a super crazy pushing it on your son? Like, like where did Chris's interest come from? Oh, it definitely came from uh, from me and my love of the game. And um, you know, I baseball disappeared from my life right after I was uh, was I, I was released by the Red Sox back in '83, mm-hmm. and then uh, my kids were born '90 90, '92, and when they turned six seven, you know, baseball was out of my life from '83 to like '96, and uh, I just went full bore working eighty hours a week, self employed, all that stuff, and then. 
you know, my kids got old enough to play Little League. I, you know, I take them out front, play catch with them, and see the, the interest. Uh, they liked it, so so I started falling in love with the game all over again. And um, at that point, I just I had to figure out why I wasn't the best player on the field because I had all the talent, had all the, the tools, but I didn't have anybody growing up. Uh, you know, other than just we were fans, we were just big fans. We, you know, we weren't. There was no mentors or teachers or anything. My uncle provided opportunities to play as I got older in summer league. So I was playing with at 15. I was playing with guys in college, and and I was big and strong enough to do it. But that love was uh, reborn again in me, and hmm. so I had to figure out why I wasn't the best player on the field. And I I took that approach and 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 uh, you know learned a lot growing up about how to how to make the game fun and that's basically what we went back to was my roots and and how how much fun i had playing the game and um cast that on to my kids wow that, um, that, that's really cool so so the kids love for it kind of brought you back into it that's that that that's really excellent um it did you did you have a moment mike uh when you realized that Chris in particular, like, uh, you know what? I think Chris might be really good. Uh, t- tell us about a moment when you might have realized that early on. <laughs> That's a good one. I get this question all the time. I remember we were golfing one time. We were, it was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's 110 out. And, uh, you know, Chris was five years old and Nick was seven. And they were, I was just out there letting him take a few shots. And, and I told Chris and Nick not to wander off the fairways and look for balls because there's rattlesnakes out there. So, Sure enough, Chris goes out there. He gets uh, bit by a rattlesnake, and uh, and uh, after about three days in, of incredible pain and suffering, the snake finally died. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. Yes. No, that I, I was just messing. I knew he was going to be uh, a pretty good ball player, really, from the first swing he took. He was just okay. such a natural, you know, the Ted Williams thing, and uh, you know, hit it up, hit it in the air, hit it hard. Uh, Ted was an incredible uh, mentor to me for the for the time that I spent with him in spring training. I had I spent a lot of time with him in spring training, and I learned so much. First of all, I learned that everything that I was taught growing up was wrong, and, and that was a real eye opener for me. And uh, so basically, all the stuff I teach nowadays is you know it's Ted Williams, and so Chris Chris was you know all through his formative years, just I was just trying to make him have fun and. I knew, he, you know, eight, nine years old, he was hitting home runs over the fence. He's tiny. He's like 60 pounds. And he was always a small kid up until he was a sophomore in high school. And, and uh, you know, he was just launching balls. Nine years old, he had 10 home runs in one tournament. Um, he was playing in the majors against 12-year-olds 12 12 in Little League, always playing up. He, mm-hmm. You know, my team was a year older. And uh, he was succeeding. And, and playing every position on the field and, and enjoying it. And he was so quiet and humble and, you know, because he was playing with older kids. So I just watched basically just, you know, he would hit all the time. I'd put catch with him, just just made it fun. And he enjoyed it. He got good. Nick got good, too. Nick Nick turned into a different direction in college and went, you know, into the medical field. That's mm-hmm. his older brother. And uh, and Chris just became a really good baseball player. Yeah, Go ahead. Sorry, Mike. Under the radar, too. I mean, you know, he was largely operating. I know it's hard to believe, but, you know, because he's made it. But he was operating under the radar because he was just so quiet and unassuming and, uh, you know, with no flash, no, no, there, there was no emotion, you know, um, in the game. It was, he, he, it was like, you know, he, he, like he'd done it before. He, he, it was pretty fun to watch. 
because, you know, because he's so opposite of me. You know, he was so opposite of the way I was growing up. I was a very emotional player. And um, Chris internalizes all that, compartmentalizes all that. And, I mean, he's like what he's going through now. He's got a 50-at-bat run where he's just not right. Things aren't happening. You know, he's he's just he's grinding through it. And and he'll emerge from it the same way he did with April in April and May this year. I think it's uh, – I just enjoy it. it for me, it – you know, and I feel it too. It's, that, that's the hard part. Is I, when he when he's struggling, I'm struggling, and when he's going great, I'm going great. So I try to stay off that roller coaster. It's too much for me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. I I, I get it. I, I I can I can imagine. It's uh, Mike Bryant joining us. Chris Bryant's dad here on Hit and Run on six seventy. The score, man. The way that you describe him as a young kid, just playing all the different positions and 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 having fun and smiling and just kind of. Um, being quiet and sort of unassuming, he's still that guy. He's still that guy. We're watching it all the time. We're watching him. He's the only former MVP, Mike, to ever have a season where he plays five different positions for at least five games. It's crazy. Yeah, you know how that. You, you honestly, how that came about. It's, and I'm not trying to be, you know, put an edge to this, but I remember in club ball, you know. Uh, the parents would be complaining about where their kids are batting and where they're hit, you know, playing in the field. So, you know, little Johnny wants to play third base. Chris is there. So, okay, Chris, go to right. Okay. Now Jimmy wants to play right. Okay. Chris, go to left. Okay. Now, now Billy wants to play uh, left. So Chris, go play first, you know, for an <laughs> inning. And, and, and Scott wants to play second, you know, so Chris, you have to move off second now. And, you know, uh, Chris take some bench. You know, you know, what's funny is, me and uh, uh, Joey Gallo's dad, Tony, were coaches for years, and he's my best friend. And um, and uh, we used to put our kids on the bench to start every game. They never were in the field in the first inning, and and it was you know it, it was on purpose. You know, we batted the whole lineup, eleven players, hmm. but those two were on the bench to start pretty much every game. Um, you know, I'm, there's a few they started, but really the majority, no. So, you know, I was sending a message to the parents that this wasn't going to be daddy ball. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's not like they were earning their spots or anything. Everybody's going to play the same amount. Everybody's going to play different positions. But that's how it came about that, you know, Chris played every position on the field. In Little League, he even caught. He wanted a catch so he could pick guys off at first like Benito Santiago used to do. He used to watch him. And, it's, you know, there's look, there's just so – there's so much joy in this game that, you, but we tend to forget that. And, you know, because when you're going, you know, you have all the inevitable slumps and you make errors and stuff like that. And everybody's looking to project, you know, their, their, yeah. you know, they watch their son on their, on the field, not doing well. And they try to project that onto someone else. And now we own it, you know, me and Chris have always owned it and, and use that to get better. And, I figured it out, man. I would, you know, I, I just figured it out and, and I try to be a good communicator and, and try to have more fun, you know, than, than, than my players do. And if, if they see me out there having fun, they're going to have fun. If they, uh, if they see me out there yelling at them all the time, they're going to associate all that, you know, the fear. You don't motivate kids out of fear and anger and frustration. You, you don't do that. You motivate them by being eternally positive. And I was like that under the most egregious of circumstances, you know. Yeah. And believe me, I've been through it. 
See, you see, now I, I was going to ask, and I think you just gave some great advice right there. Like uh, we got a lot of baseball dads, I'm sure, in our audience. A lot, of, a lot of dads with kids who are just starting to play or might start to play or are in the midst of it. And, and, and everybody dreams of having a kid in the major leagues. So what advice would you give them? It sounds like you just kind of tapped on it right there in terms of the positivity and the fun. That's a big deal. Yeah, lead, lead the league in fun and passion. And be and, and and set that bar high as a coach. Never, ever, ever, not even one time raise your voice to a kid. They, they're not going to give you any reason to do that. They're not going to give you a reason. I mean, if the kid's a discipline problem, you go over and you talk to the parents with the kid there and you say, hey, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you, you, your kid's not behaving well. He's not, he's not a good teammate. He's treating, he's bullying kids, whatever, you know, and you have that discussion with the parents and then you let the parents take over from there. But me as a, you know, as a mentor on the field, you know, I, Hey, I got chucked out of a few games before me and umpires don't get along. I never will get along with umpires and, you know, <laughs> sorry, they're just wrong sometimes and that and they're wrong at the wrong times uh, look i as persons i love umpires but man stop making mistakes well you have to be perfect uh-huh. you know? <laughs> i'm sorry you have that's to be perfect that that that's bar good. is high for you okay you're probably the most important guy in the game so if you're an umpire you're the most important guy in the game and you oh. better get it right because if you don't i'm gonna let you have it um, and I, although I'm not in a position to do that anymore, <laughs> well, you know, do, and wine now. Were you watching the other night when Angel Hernandez came out of a replay review and signaled safe twice and then out and pointed at like two of the yeah. wrong bases? Were you watching that? It was driving yeah. me crazy, Mike. Hey, oh. let me tell you something. Okay, I, you know Angel Hernandez has taken a lot of heat from everybody, but the guy's a baseball lifer. He has a passion and a love for the game. We have to focus on that with Angel, or everybody's going to hate him. And and I don't hate and I don't want that, okay. you know. So I, all I'm saying is, Angel, you know, man, you might be getting a little old. You don't see as well. The reflexes don't work as quick. I need Prevagen too. I forget things, you know. <laughs> what the hey, you know? I mean, but you know, yeah. I mean, let's back up. Stop messing around with our children. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that these are your kids. It's a serious business out there, Angel. Well, you know, as you're talking about about what you tried to teach and preach in terms of fun and passion, and you know, we've we've watched Chris in this town so carefully and so closely and seen stuff, and then you try to read into things. And is he happy? Is the joy there? Whatever. This quote. This is this is today in in the Athletic from Patrick Mooney, Chris Bryant talking about the team dynamics. Quote. You get more comfortable with who you are, where you are in your career, the years that you put into this. It's respecting the game and it respecting you back and being able to just talk a little more in the clubhouse. When I first got called up, I didn't feel like I couldn't. It was just in my mind that I was more of a shy guy. I didn't step out and engage. But now that I've been here a while, I'm comfortable. It's very easy for me to just go out there and have fun with the guys, say what I want to say, and try to be a funny guy even though I'm not. That's Chris Bryant's quote. I love that quote so much. The self-awareness of knowing he's not really funny, but he wants to try and get people to laugh. But sounds like he's in a real good place right now, Mike. Chris has an incredibly good sense of humor. We were on the golf course the other uh, back in the off season with my good friend John DeVree and uh, Scotty Gardner and me and Chris. And you know, and those guys are good golfers. And Chris is a good golfer. He's a four handicap, and he hits the ball. Off friggin mile um <laughs> so anyways he, you know we have a joke you know we'll we'll miss a two-foot putt and then we'll then we'll you know write our score down but then we'll say hey let me have that back and say the second guy shows up he drains the putt 
and 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 John DeVry goes, hey, yeah, that that you know that that's a second team All American right there. And Chris goes, I've never been second team All American. <laughs> I'm just like. <laughs> they crack those guys up, it, you know, coming from Chris it, it, and so dry the way. Well, that's his, that's his, uh, you know, underneath it all, he's, he's confident and comfortable in his own skin as a baseball player. Yeah. Um, but he's incredibly humble too. Yeah. And so that's, that's why they were so taken aback by it and thought that was just so prescient and funny. Oh, that, uh, that's <laughs> awesome. You know, the, the improvement that you guys figured out uh, in the offseason, I've talked a lot about it on the radio. You and uh, Tom Verducci wrote a great article where you detailed a lot of it. I heard you on the score with Bernstein and Layla, um, so we don't have to be super specific about it because you've done it. But th- th- what could others do it? Because I feel like Chris's improvement this year is kind of a template for some of uh, of the other players could other guys do it who are struggling with that high fastball in the same way yeah no doubt these guys are major league baseball players you know i don't care whether they hit 220 or 230 i mean you've got guys that they're good players man you know they're there for a reason I think and, they're stubborn, Mike. I think they're a little stubborn. Well, no, that's it. No, no, it's not stubborn. They're comfortable, and they mm. don't like getting out of a comfort zone. You know, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable so you can get comfortable again. And and you have to be willing to to try different things. And and you know, it's like you say, all right, this works. Oh no, thanks for that. That don't work. That well, that don't work. Why? Well, hey, this might be able to help me. You know. I worked with James Loney a little bit when he was trying to come back, and I showed him. He just he goes, Mr. Brian, I'm here because I'm a first baseman and only hit 15 home runs a year. I got to hit more. Um, mm. You know, I like the philosophy: you hit the ball in the air, hit it hard. Uh, I said 85% of balls hit in the air are hits. A lot of them do a lot of damage. It's not all about launch angle and all that stupid stuff. Mm. Launch angle is just a number. It's a measure of a result. It's all about trying to focus on getting the ball out of the infield, in the air, on a line, whether it's a line drive, high line drive, or even a fly ball. Hmm. Pop-ups sometimes fall in. Jock Peterson had a pop-up fall in for a double the other day. You know, balls in the air produce more offense. Balls on the ground produce zero offense. It's like like 225% more offense when you hit the ball in the air. So that's a a Ted Williams thing. That's right out of Ted Williams' book. So it's it's not new. These guys can learn all this stuff. They just have to be willing to, you know, put some time in in the off season, or or whatever, and try different things. Cal Ripken was always tinkering. You remember with bat position, holding his hand. Yeah. He was hunting for something. You know, he was hunting for something. That, that, well, the guy's a Hall of Famer. That ought to tell you something right there. You know, but some guys get so good, like Ted Williams, Barry Bonds got so good, you know, at hitting a baseball. Mm. that they could focus. They they discovered something that made them elite. You know, Mike Trout found something that made him elite. Mickey Mantle found something that made them elite, and they stayed with that. And Chris is kind of like that. He He's, you know, he gets out of his, you know, to adjust. I mean, the pitching is, look, the pitching's way better nowadays than, than it was when I was playing. I can tell you that. So mm. The game's so much faster. You know, it's, you know, the fact that, the batting averages are dropping down and the home runs are dropping down this year. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons for that, that the commissioner's office seems to be hunting for and trying to control the outcome. But, you know, the best thing you do is knock it off. Just let them play, you Mm -hmm. know, 
you know, hey, I'm an advocate for moving the mound back. They just throw too hard. It's more of a safety issue for me. You know, you, you take a 103-mile-an-hour fastball coming at your face, you can't get out of the way of it, okay? But if, it, if you get an extra three feet, you got that extra 100th of a second to move out of the way, and you'll need it. Yeah. I think it's more... I think it's more a safety issue than it is a competition issue. There's a and, million. There's a million things I, I would love to talk to you about. I, I got to ask you two quickies. Um, one, yeah. um, tell tell me something about Ted Williams. I envy that time that you you spent in the Red Sox minor league system. Um, tell me something about uh, you know about what he what he taught you. Some stuff that stayed with you. Well, the main thing was the first thing he said on the very first day that I met with him. And first of all, I didn't say a word for 10 days to him. I just listened. I was scared and intimidated by the man. He was, uh, you know, he was so rock solid about everything that he said. But the first, you know, and, and, and rock solid sure about everything he said. He just, he, he looked at me and this other guy that was there, that was just me and this other guy, um, I don't even remember the guy's name because I was so mesmerized with Ted. But he goes, we're going to learn how to do two things. We're going to learn how to hit it hard, and we're going to learn how to hit it in the air. That's the number one thing that stuck out, and I say that to this day. And then he started talking about the mechanics and how to do it, how it was a slight upswing, the bats in the zone longer, da-da-da-da. You know, don't try to put backspin on it. It's a naturally occurring phenomenon. You know, everything that you've heard, knob to the ball, no, he wasn't talking knob to the ball. He was talking knob to the hat you know, right to the pitcher's hat. The pitcher's up elevated in the air, you know, 10 inches. Back then, when he was playing, it was 18 inches. They're throwing downhill. If you swing down at the ball, you're just going to chase the thing right into the ground. That, that, that was a couple things. But, mm. you know, and another thing, the most valuable thing that he taught me was I got to the, to the it was 6 a.m. We were supposed to be down on the backfield four, and I was there at quarter or six. I was the first one there. He's sitting down there with the bat and practice pitcher, and he sees me coming down. He sees me on the bench, doesn't say anything for 30 seconds, and then he looks at me. He says, Brian, he says, you're effing late. And I said, sir? And he goes, if you're not a half an hour early, you're late. And I, and he goes, and don't waste my effing time. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I, I was like, okay, I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to listen. So two weeks later, yeah. I got called in. I was walking up from my workout in the backfields, and the AAA game was going on. It was dragging on because they were trying to get guys extra work. So, like, Brian, get out here. You're going to play, play a couple innings in right field. And I'm like, yeah. You know, I was an A-ball at the time. Put me in the AAA game. And uh, I was the only one on the bench, and Ted was at the other end of the bench. And he's just sitting there and sitting there. Five minutes go by, and he looks at me. He says, Brian, tell me something about me that I don't already know. Oh. And I'm like, and I was like, what the hell kind of question is that? So I go, I said, all right, I remember one time when we were fish that you were fishing up in Maine with three of your buddies. He goes, and you went out early to your spot. You had your hip waders on, you slipped on the rocks, and you grabbed onto the bow of a tree as your hip waders filled up with water, and you just hung there for about an hour. And your buddies showed up because they got too drunk the night before, and they saved your life, but you separated your shoulder because you're trying to hold up 500 pounds of weight. Uh, it, and he goes, and he's shaking his head. And he goes, "Yeah, it's amazing that I'm alive." And he goes, and he just and he says, "You read that story in Field and Stream?" I said, "Yeah, I'm a fisherman too." And he goes, he says, "Brian, we're gonna get along fine." Oh. So, after the game, I went right in. I got on the payphone. I called my mother. And I'm like, Mom, Mom, you won't believe what Ted just said to me. <laughs> it was that, that's it, awesome. It was incredible. I, you know, hey man, he yeah. probably probably forgot about me years later. He was six. He was my age at the time. He was 60, 
two at the time, mm-hmm. and he could still hit. He went out there and took BP, and uh, man, this there's so many stories that you know in that in those couple weeks that I spent with him the first year, and then another ten days with him the next year in spring training. Wow. And uh, taking BP he, at age at age sixty two, uh, I, I love it. And he was and he was knocking them to the in the gaps, one off in the fence, oppo. I'm, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, this guy. Yeah, I I can't even. I mean, I can swing a golf club. I can't turn anymore with a bat in my hand, and I, my body don't move like it used to. But mm. for him to do what he did was astonishing to me. Oh, wow. I was so mesmerized by this guy. Everything I teach, it's all him. Oh. I don't take any credit whatsoever for it. I just know how to articulate what he valued, and and it, it, I'm I'm so humbled by it. You know, that, that I had the opportunity to work with a guy like that. All right. That's amazing. All right. And the last thing, because I've always wanted to ask you, one of my favorite pitchers to watch when I was a kid, Mike Bryant, was um, was Dennis Oil Can Boyd. Mercurial, <laughs> interesting. Um, I, I just say so he threw a screwball and it can like very few righties through a screwball and just his personality was crazy. It seemed you were roommates with him. Is that true? Tell me about Oil Can yeah. Boyd. Yeah, the first time I met him, we were in Elmira uh, in the New York Penn League, the short season league, and Can was so nervous. And the night before I met him, they, you know, I was I was a ninth round pick, but I was going to be their their uh, right fielder. I was going to bat fourth. So the, the the local news station up in Elmira, New York, interviewed me, and I got my airtime. And I was a highly touted rookie, this and that. So Can. Figures he's, he's, he come, he finds my apartment the next day with my two roomies. This I roomed with Can the following year in Winterhaven, but he finds my apartment. He comes on me, and my nickname was Spike, and he's like going back and forth. He's he's swaying back and forth. He's like, Spike, Spike, I can pitch, man. I can pitch. Satchel Page is my guy. My overhand fastball. See my fingers? They're like eight inches long. He says, I can put spin on the body, and he keeps going on and on. He wouldn't shut up, kind of like I am right now. And, <laughs> and he's uh, – and he just kept going. He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, I want to hang around with you for a while. Is that okay? I said, yeah, sure, man, good. You know, so we hit it off, and we became friends. And the next year, I had to spend two weeks in, in extended spring training because I was rehabbing a thumb, and I had a real good game. They moved me up, and and Ken, they sent Mike Jefferson down, and he was rooming with Ken and, and Simon Glenn. So I took Mike Jefferson's place in the condo, and Ken was elated, and. He used to steal my car all the time. I'd have to walk to the field. I, I actually, I ran because I took the opportunity to run, but it was two and a half miles to the park. And he would take my car, and, and on the days he was pitching, and he'd go see his girlfriend, and he wouldn't show up till 530, you know, and I'm there at the park at 3. So I had to run to the park. And it was, it was just, just so much. Uh, you know, the, the two words that I could describe about Ken, he was a 16th-round pick, mm-hmm. intestinal fortitude. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted to make it more than Oil Can Boyd. I was, you could learn something from Oil Can Boyd. And, and yeah. uh, you know, he was just. That's it, awesome. Wow. Hey, you know, you know what, what I still picture. remember? What I still remember, Mike, is he was pissed when there was rain in the 86 World Series and his spot yes. got skipped. And I was like, man, yeah, that guy sure. thinks right. he, he thinks he should be pitching over Hurst, who was like the best pitcher in the playoffs that year. That's that's confidence. That's confidence. I will right. tell you this: if Can pitched, we would have won that game. We'd have won the World Series in '86. Wow. I know. I just know it. I mean, that's how that guy could make the ball do things. Satchel Page was his, was his hero. He's yeah. still Can's probably still trying to come back. 
you know, <laughs> he, he's 61 right now. I remember, but it, it, he was uh, he was a yeah. special guy. He had 11 brothers. He and, and you know, he, he I came to spring training run year. He come run down, give me a big hug, and he says, "Spike, Spike." He goes, "I've accepted yeah. you into the brotherhood," and I'm like. <laughs> I said, because I had a perm. I had hair at the time, and I had a perm, and I, I tightened it up real tight, you know, to make, to, you know, because it was just really cool looking. And and uh, he's going, yeah, you're now a brother. He says, and you can call me Dennis Ray anytime you want, because that's what my brothers called me, Denny Ray. And I go, wow. wow. I mean, I was like almost crying. He was, he, you know, he was he he was such a passionate, uh, is such a passionate. Um, uh, guy about the game, and I'm, I'm not surprised that he had a, had a career that he had, and, and it should have been longer. Hey, hey, Mike, this this is such a pleasure. This is the kind of conversation I've been wanting to have with you for a long, long time. I really appreciate it, and uh, I know the listeners <laughs> do too. So, uh, th- thank you for thank you for the stories, and and thanks for the time. Have a wonderful Father's Day and uh, a grandfather's day, if that's a thing. I know you're enjoying uh, uh, Chris's 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 I miss boy. Him. Yeah. I haven't seen him since spring training. We're going to L.A. next week. We're going to see him. And then coming back, and then a week later, we're heading to Chicago for a week, and hopefully to Denver if Chris makes the all-star team again. And um, So I'm going to have a good uh, 10 or 12 days with my grandson and then another three here. Plus, Jesse's coming home for a little bit, and, and uh, we're going to see him for the week leading. I'm going to get two and a half weeks with him. So oh, that's, 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 that's tremendous. That's well, so precious. I, I, I hope to run into you when you're in Chicago and either way, enjoy the year. And, um, and thanks, thanks from Chicago for doing such a great job raising, uh, raising Chris. He's a, he's been a terrific player to watch and a great guy to cover as well. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks, thanks for uh opportunity. Happy father's day, everybody out there and uh, enjoy it. And let's, let's hope the Cubs uh, stop their losing streak today. I bet they will. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you. That's uh, it's Mike Bryant. Oh, my God, that Ted Williams stuff. At age 62, hitting opposite field gappers in BP. Oh, my God. Um, all right, let, let's, let's take a break and reset, and I want to talk to you about your fathers um, and baseball uh, in whichever way you want to discuss it. But feel free to text in and call in and react to that. Rick Giolito, Lucas Giolito's dad, at the top of the next hour. It's Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel, on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Well hit the center field. Devon White going back. Gone! A two-run home run. And he can still hit anybody's fastball. <laughs> An instantaneous two-to-nothing Seattle lead. And he hits one well to left center field. Dante Bichette. Back-to-back home runs. 
<laughs> what else can these guys do? That was Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. hitting back-to-back home runs as teammates in the major leagues. Happy Father's Day to everybody. Father's-son combos in baseball are everywhere. Here are your five third-generation Major League Baseball player families. The Hairstons. We've talked to Jerry Jr. on this show many times. That's Sammy, Jerry, Johnny, Jerry Jr., and Scott. The Coleman's, I don't really know. Joe, Joe Jr., and Casey Coleman. Casey Coleman, I remember. The Boons, Ray, Bob, Brett, and Aaron. The Bells, Gus, Buddy, David, and Mike. And then the one that nobody remembers that I had forgotten as well. The Schofield and Worths. Ducky Schofield, his son Dick Schofield, and then Jason Worth, who was the grandson of Ducky Schofield, the nephew of Dick Schofield, also the stepson of Dennis Worth. So, look, there's a lot. There's a lot in there. So there have been 21 other pairs of grandfathers and grandsons who played Major League Baseball, and two of the grandsons are well-known players. Rick Porcello, colonel grandfather, was a player named Sam Dente, and then, of course, yes, Mike Yastrzemski. The paternal grandfather of Mike Yastrzemski is, of course, Hall of Famer Carl Yastrzemski. And I mentioned earlier, I'll give you this. Third-generation umpires, Ed Rungi, Paul Rungi, Brian Rungi. Third-generation broadcasters, we know them well. Harry, Skip, and Chip Carey. And then a four-generation groundskeeper family. Roger Bossard's father, Gene was preceded by Gene's father, Marshall, was preceded by Marshall's father, Emil, or Emil. I don't know how to pronounce Emil Bossard, but I'm betting it's that. How about that? Fourth generation Sodsman, the son of a son of a son of a Sodsman, Roger Bossard. It is hit Skip's and run. It's- par- uh, Skip Carey, whose pappy yes. was the legendary Harry and whose son is Skip, died in his sleep last night. Make that his son, Chip. Sorry. Yeah. Very confusing. For a lot of people, there's too many carries. And that was confusing for George Hoffman, low those many years ago. Um, 312-644-6767. Got some time for phone calls right now. I want to hear about you and your fathers in terms of baseball. Whatever you want. A story of how your dad got you into the game. A story of, uh, of, of your dad and why you love baseball. I want to hear it. 312-644-6767. Rick Giolito, father of Lucas, at the top of the hour. Happy Father's Day from 670 The Score. Now it's up to Gordon Beckham to bat. Lead things off for the Sox here in the 11th and see if he can do some damage. Pitch to Gordon. A high fly to left. Is it well? Going back to the track. Along the fence. Jumps. Home run. Sox win. Sox win on a Beckham home run. He starts the tremendous double play to end the threat for Texas and first pitch swinging. It's gone. Beckham's first game-ending homer. Father's Day. What year, Sean? It's Gordon Beckham walking it off. I think Gordon. it was 2011, and he also walked off Mother's Day that day, too, or that year. That's right. That is right. Um, yes, Father's Day and Mother's Day walk-offs for Gordon Beckham. Uh, Gordon doing a nice job doing Sox games this week while Steve Stone 
is in Arizona enduring 117 degree temperatures. I don't, I don't even know how you live with that. How do you, I guess you just stay inside is pretty much what you do. But yeah, Gordon Beckham doing a nice job. The White Sox with one more today in Houston as they try to uh, take one in that series. And it's Dallas Keuchel, which is just going to be so interesting because Keuchel was there for seven years, obviously, of his big league career. And before that, grew up there, has talked openly about how he, along with several other guys who were still there, went from boys to men insert whatever song you want right there um, while in Houston and now goes today against his former protege, Lance McCullers. McCullers said that he thought of Keuchel as a big brother. Keuchel says he thought of McCullers as his son. Either way, protege mentor, big time relationship now going against each other. That's kind of fun for the White Sox game, the finale of their series in Houston, which was today at, uh, at about 1 o'clock. Right around then also is when the Cubs and the Marlins will get going with the finale of their series. The Marlins just destroying the Cubs in two ugly ones the last two days. Alec Mills against Zach Thompson. Cubs very lucky to avoid Trevor Rogers. The Marlins are giving him an extra day of rest. That is a terrific rookie pitcher who the Cubs will miss. And uh, that is some good fortune. It's Father's Day. Had a great conversation with Mike Bryant. Had a conversation with my dad that I enjoyed. We'll have a conversation with Rick Giolito in a while. But I wanted to ask you about your fathers and baseball. We'll start with Jordan in Libertyville. Good morning, Jordan. Thanks for calling. How are you? How's it going? I got uh, two things. The first one's a trivia question. So the Griffies were the first father and son to play on the same team. Who was the second? The Reigns. Tim Reigns and Tim Reigns Jr., I believe. It, yep, that's right. Nobody, nobody ever gets that. That was good. So <laughs> the second thing I was going to give a memory of my dad is uh, him giving my first baseball glove. Now, back in the day, there used to be like a signature in the pocket, and it was never anybody like famous. So I got Dave Cash, which I didn't even know who Dave Cash was. And then he followed that up the next year with a catcher's glove, which, which had John Stern's signature in there. So uh, that's from the this memories of my dad. So like I, I don't know. They, back, I remember back in the day, there was no Jerry Carter or Johnny Bench in the in that signature panel. It was always somebody random. John Stearns, thank you for the call, Jordan. John Stearns, a, a Met, I believe, and Dave Cash, I remember from the Expos. Uh, yes, Tim Raines and Tim Raines Jr. for the Orioles towards the end of Tim Raines' career. Senior, of course. Uh, Jake Indicator. Good morning, Jake. Welcome to Hit and Run. Hey, love the show, man. Love the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, being a Cardinals fan, I was kind of leery about calling in. But uh, <laughs> anyhow, uh, one of my first uh, memories with my dad when I was a little kid was getting to go to my very first uh, St. Louis Cardinals bo- uh, ball game there at Old Bush Stadium and my brother and I couldn't sleep the night before. We were so excited and uh, never even thought about, you know, because we're getting to see Ozzie Smith, Tommy Err, Willie McGee, all these great Cardinals. But we ended up playing the Phillies. Well, then it was Steve Carlton pitching for him. I, I lost oh. my mind. It was Lenny Dykstra, Mike Schmidt on third base. And uh, I'll never forget it, man. My dad bought my brother and me. Remember those little wood bats they used to sell back in the day? Yep. You know, the, uh, oh, I don't know what you call them. Like, you know, anyhow, the well, halfway guy. home from St. Yeah, halfway home from St. Louis, those turned into war clubs. And I remember my dad having to pull over on the side of the interstate and take them away from us. <laughs> but it was great, man. It was great. Hey, love the show, and thanks for taking my call. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You know, as long as you're a well-meaning, decent-hearted person, Cardinals fans are okay. Thank you, Jake. Uh, appreciate that. The mini bats <laughs> turning into war clubs and having to be taken away on the way home on the interstate. That is awesome. Tom is in Wisconsin and is now on hit and run. Good morning, Tom. Tell me about your dad and baseball. Hey, hi. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey. Great. Well, very good. I've got a good. My father uh, played. Uh, he was a catcher in the industrial league and in the navy during the war. And he brought his love for baseball back, and I got it. And we were big at the time. The people don't realize that the Milwaukee Braves were uh, up here in Milwaukee. And in 1965, they left for Atlanta. And my dad was devastated because he couldn't listen to baseball. And he spent half hour one day finding, finally found WGN on the radio with the Chicago Cubs. And we all became Cubs fans because my dad said we were going to be Cubs fans. And we listened to baseball from the Cubs. We we tried to get the White Sox was on back in the day, WCFL. We couldn't get that. But that's how all these southeastern Wisconsin people became Cub fans. Because if you were a baseball fan and the Braves left and you could get Chicago radio, you became a Cubs fan. Uh-huh. So I... I became a Cub fan, and I was devastated when the Milwaukee Brewers went from the American League to the National League because now I had two teams I loved in the same division. And my father said, don't worry about it. They'll never play. Neither one will ever get to the World Series. Well, he lived long enough to see the the Cubs win a World Series. And I still have that love. My grandson has the love for the game. And uh, baseball has just been great for me. Oh, I love that story, Tom. Thank you. And, and it, it gives a different, a different flavor to Brewers-Cubs games to think about. There are people like you, legit fans of both, who have had to deal with that, becoming the rivalry that it has. That's great stuff. Thank you, Tom. <clears throat> Let's go to Zach in Michigan City on Hit and Run. Tell me about your father in baseball. Good morning, Zach. Hey, guys. Thanks for accepting my call. Uh, I want to tell you guys a story about uh, my dad. Uh, my dad, you know, taught me like any other kid, how to play baseball. And he raised me and he was my coach most of my years. And what the, maybe the most important memory I have with my dad, who's still with us today, uh, I've seen my dad cry twice. Once when he told me his dad died and once at my uh, last baseball game. And that's oh. something that I think about all the time. Uh, I'm oh. starting to cry now thinking about it, but yeah. <laughs> hey, Zach, thanks for that, man. It's that's powerful, right? Those are the two times you saw your dad cry. The two moments that got him. Shows you how important it was to him. See, it's crazy. It, I, I mean, other sports, I, I don't, they just don't end up feeling like that. At least to me. I don't know why. I, you know, had my dad on earlier and he talked about how, you know, that reminiscing is just kind of always part of the game every day, every time you play. Uh, maybe that's part of it. It's just the constant connection to the past that is a part of every game of the present. Uh, Mary is in Michigan and is now on the score on Hit and Run. Good morning, Mary. Hi there. Enjoy your show. My uh, dad's day story is a little bit different. My father was a businessman, worked very hard to provide for us. Frankly, he thought sports was a waste of time. Now, I had twin brothers. He didn't encourage them in sports in any way. In fact, he sort of discouraged them. He didn't want them to get hurt. Well, 
When my brothers came of age, they absolutely fell in love with all sports and sort of took over the family TV. And I remember one afternoon, uh, games were on all afternoon. My father looked at me helplessly and said, okay, the game is one thing, but why do they have to spend two hours analyzing it? But he tried to take an interest in sports to the extent that he could for them. And uh, we live close to the University of Notre Dame, so he actually became a bit of a fighting Irish fan. But good dad, just not a throw-the-baseball-in-the-backyard type of dad. But my brothers brought him along a little bit. That's beautiful. Thanks, Mary. I love it. And your dad tried. See? He tried. Whatever your kids are into, you have probably got to end up trying. Um, I will be there. Um, I will be there since uh, my boy, not a big baseball guy. Uh, but that's okay. He's into some other stuff. <sighs> yeah, that's what I tell myself. All right, it's 670 the score. It's hit and run. Matt Spiegel here with you. We're on until 1235. Lawrence Holmes at about 1140. Uh, before that, Rick Giolito, Lucas's dad. That's next, coming up here on 670 the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.